Hey everyone, before we start the episode, I wanted to share some exciting news. We have a YouTube channel now. We started posting our episodes with some cool images and videos, so you should definitely go check it out. You can find us at On Wildlife Podcast, and don't forget to subscribe. Now let's get into the episode. Hello, welcome to On Wildlife. I'm your host, Alex Ray. On this podcast, we bring the wild to you. We take you on a journey into the life of a different animal every week, and I guarantee you you're going to come out of here knowing more about your favorite animal than you did before. This week, we're talking about an animal that spends part of their life in the water and part of it on land. They're pretty common to find, although it might be hard to see them because they do a great job of camouflaging themselves. And you've probably heard their calls at night, but not known it was them. So it's time to take a closer listen as we head into your backyard to talk about toads. There are more than 300 species of toads in the world, and they're found throughout North America and on almost every continent. They typically prefer moist, open habitats like fields and grasslands, and they come in all different sizes. The smallest North American toad is the oak toad, which is only about one and a half inches long. The largest toad is the cane toad, which can grow up to nine inches long. A cane toad once caught in Australia, nicknamed Toadzilla, was described by some as being the size of a small dog. One of the most common species in the United States is the American toad. You could even find them in your own garden. Now, you might be wondering, what's the difference between a toad and a frog? Well, toads and frogs both belong to the order Anura, but most toads belong to the family Bufanidae, and most frogs belong to the family Ranidae. And there are physical characteristics that you can use to tell them apart. The most obvious difference is their skin. Most frogs have very smooth and moist skin, while toads have much rougher and bumpier skin. Also, toads have much shorter hind legs than frogs, and they're usually not as colorful. Some frogs, like poison dart frogs, try to stick out as a warning to their predators that they're poisonous, but most toads have a different approach. Their natural coloration is dark green and brown, and this really helps them blend into the dirt and dead leaves that they spend their time around. But they do have some things in common as well. Toads, like frogs, are amphibians. This means that some of their life cycle is spent in the water and some of it is spent on land. Toads and frogs both start their lives as tadpoles living in the water. And I'll touch more on their life cycle later on in the episode. There are also a few misconceptions that people have about toads. First of all, toads don't hop. Instead, they walk. Another misconception is that touching a toad can give you warts. This is just a straight-up lie. Now, for a second, I want you to think about a toad catching a fly for food. Did you picture the toad shooting its tongue out of its mouth to catch its prey? Well, this isn't how it happens. Chameleons are really the only ones that are able to shoot their tongues out of their mouths like this. But then, how do they eat? And what does their diet consist of? We'll talk about that right after the break. The 
science word that I want to talk to you about today is crypsis. Crypsis is any way that an organism is able to avoid being detected in its environment. Camouflage is a type of crypsis, but it's not the only kind, because it's not always about what you see. Crypsis can be a way that an organism avoids being smelled or heard in their environment, too. Okay, we're back. Toads are carnivores. Most of them will eat insects and arthropods. And cane toads have been known to eat reptiles, small mammals, and other amphibians. Toads will either bite their prey whole or extend their tongue to catch it. And instead of having their tongues attached at the back of their mouth like we do, theirs are attached at the lower front jaw. When they quickly open their mouths, their tongues basically spring forward and are able to stick onto their prey. So unfortunately, they can't shoot it out of their mouth like a chameleon, although that would be pretty cool. Toads also have an interesting eating behavior. They don't swallow their food like us or any mammals. Instead, when their food is in their mouth, they sink their eyeballs into their mouth, which forces the food to go down their esophagus. But toads also have a lot of predators like snakes, raccoons, and birds of prey. To defend themselves, they have paratoid glands, which secrete something called bufotoxins. If an animal ingests this toxin, it can cause allergic reactions or even death in smaller animals. But some species use other ways to avoid being eaten, like the pebble toad. The pebble toad usually lives on rocky mountains in South America, and it utilizes where it lives to its advantage. When approached by a predator, the pebble toad will tuck its arms and legs close to its body to form a ball and throw themselves down the mountain. They can survive falls from large distances because of how light they are. So toads utilize sound in order to communicate with each other, especially when they're trying to attract a mate. Each species of toad has a unique call, which is used by males to attract females of the same species. But why do females use sound to choose which male to mate with? Well, their calls can actually tell the female a lot about them. Male mating calls convey their size, energy levels, and overall health to the females. Males may also use their calls to deter other males from their territory. Toads typically breed in bodies of water and may travel up to a mile to find a suitable breeding pond. Some species in drier ecosystems, like in African countries, lay their eggs on land or may even retain the eggs inside of their bodies and give birth directly at a later time. The female is typically always bigger than the male, regardless of the species. The size difference is due to the fact that females carry the eggs, and the bigger the female, the more eggs she has the capacity to hold. During reproduction, male toads will stack on top of the females. This process is known as amplexus. The male fertilizes the female's 600 to 30,000 eggs, which are laid in two long jelly tubes. The jelly-like structure of the eggs allows them to be more buoyant so they can float near the surface of the water. Here, the eggs will receive more warmth and oxygen. After approximately 10 days, tadpoles emerge from the eggs, but instead of having legs, they have tails, which they can use to swim, and gills so that they can breathe underwater. In about one to three months, the tadpoles slowly lose their tails and start to grow arms and legs. 
They also lose their gills and develop lungs instead, so they will eventually be more suited to live on land. In most cases, toads only return to the body of water where they were born in order to breed. Toads can live for around 10 to 12 years. And one toad, called the Suriname toad, has a really strange way of reproducing. Once the male fertilizes the eggs, he puts them on the female's back. The eggs stick onto her back and over time, her skin grows over the eggs, which encapsulates them in her body. And once the tadpoles are ready to hatch, they pop out of her back. Okay, let's take our last break, and when we get back, we'll talk about some more really interesting toad behaviors. It's trivia time. What is the largest bone in the human body? A. Humerus B. Tibia C. Femur or D. Fibula answer is C, the femur. Toads are solitary species that are only social during the breeding season. Often, they live in shallow burrows, which they return to after foraging for prey. Toads are nocturnal and often will take shelter under tree roots, stones, and vegetation during the day and they use three major senses to process the environment around them. We already talked about how they communicate through calls, so sound plays an important part when they interact with other toads. They also have a very powerful sense of smell, which is also used to figure out territories between individuals. But their most important sense is vision. Toads have very keen eyesight that's so acute that they're able to still see colors in the dark. Some toads hibernate in October under leaf litter, logs, or in burrows that they dig. And this is because they're ectotherms, meaning that their body temperature is controlled by their outside environment. If it gets too cold, they can freeze to death, so their burrows keep them insulated. They later emerge from hibernation in late March and begin to migrate to breeding sites. When threatened, toads will either secrete toxins from the skin, like we talked about earlier, or assume a defensive posture. Here, they stretch out their legs, inflate their lungs, and position their heads downward. This inflated position allows them to appear larger than usual to deter predators, and it also makes them much more difficult to grasp or swallow. Toads are extremely important to the ecosystems that they live in, and also to us. They even help to reverse the impacts that we're having on the environment. For example, tadpoles feed on algae, which helps to decrease eutrophication of aquatic ecosystems. Eutrophication is when humans cause too much algae to grow on the top of lakes because of the use of fertilizer. Adult toads feed on insects that transmit fatal illnesses to humans, like mosquitoes, which can pass on malaria and yellow fever. Toads also serve as prey for animals like fish, snakes, birds, and even monkeys. This means that they're an integral part of the food web, and if they were to disappear, it would cause a cascade of negative events. Toads are also indicator species. 
They require specific habitat conditions as tadpoles and as adults. Their permeable skin can easily absorb toxins and pollutants, and as a result, they're very susceptible to environmental disturbances. So they serve as indicators to scientists on whether an ecosystem is healthy or not. There's also an interesting case of toads being harmful to certain ecosystems that they're not native to. Cane toads are the largest species of toad, and they're native to South and Central America. However, they are also considered to be one of the worst invasive species in the world. Around 2,000 of them were originally introduced into Queensland, Australia in 1935 because sugarcane plantation owners wanted something to control the pests. Cane toads, when they were introduced, didn't control the pests, and they continued to reproduce and spread rapidly. They have no natural predators there and eat almost anything, and the bufotoxins that they secrete kill pets and native Australian species when they're bitten, licked, or eaten. They also outcompete native toad species for food and breeding habitats, and there are now millions of cane toads in Australia alone and their range is still expanding into areas like Florida, Hawaii, Guam, the Philippines, and other tropical areas of the world. This is why it's so important to remember not to release any pets into the wild. Chances are that they don't belong there. But in their native habitats, toad and frog populations are declining at alarming rates, and currently one-third of the world's amphibian species are threatened with extinction. Around 200 amphibian species have disappeared since 1980, and we can tell that this is happening much more quickly than normal. Typically, amphibians naturally go extinct at a rate of one species every 500 years. There are ways that we can help toads thrive, though. First, you can plant more native plants in your backyard. This increases the amount of native insects in your backyard, which toads will feed on. Also, don't spray herbicides like weed killers or pesticides. We already talked about how they can easily absorb these toxins through their skin. You can also think about making your backyard have less short grass and introduce more shrubs, bushes, and ferns that allow the toads to have shelter. You can also support organizations that are helping toads and their habitats, like Frog Life, National Association of Wetland Managers, and Amphibian Survival Alliance. Thank you so much for coming on this adventure with me as we explored the world of toads. You can find the sources that we used for this podcast and links to organizations that we reference at onwildlife.org. You can also email us with any questions at onwildlife.podcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at on underscore wildlife or on TikTok at onwildlife. Don't forget to tune in next Wednesday for another awesome episode. And that's On Wildlife. You've been listening to On Wildlife with Alex Ray. On Wildlife provides general educational information on various topics as a public service, which should not be construed as professional, financial, real estate, tax, or legal advice. These are our personal opinions only. Please refer to our full disclaimer policy on our website for full details. Thank you.